Welcome to the School of Travel's podcast. I'm your host, Becky Gillespie, and each week I bring you stories of how travel can truly change your life if you take the chance to get out on the road and step out of your comfort zone. My guests also share travel tips and lessons they've learned along the way, which I hope inspires you to let travel be your teacher. Hello, listeners. I'm really excited to bring you this week's episode. I do want to make you aware that throughout the episode, from time to time, you will hear a thud in the background, and what that is is the guest hitting the table as she's expressing her points. So there's nothing wrong with your listening device. Just wanted to make you aware, and I hope you enjoy this interview with Yasko. Welcome to episode three of the School of Travels podcast. I am here today, very honored to be with my friend and former neighbor, Miss <laughs> Yasko Watanabe. Welcome to the School of Travels podcast, Yasko. Uh, hi, Becky. Hi. hi. All right. Thank you for having me, and I feel so honored too. Yes, I and I'm so glad that we got to get back in touch here in Tokyo after years. I lived in the same building as you for four right. years. Mm-hmm. <laughs> right, and it's such a coincidence, and uh, we met here again, and uh, I'm glad that you came back after the long trip. First of all, Yasuko, can hey. you tell us a little bit about yourself? Okay, I'm Yasuko Watanabe, and I'm a Japanese, and uh, I was born and basically or mostly uh, brought up here in Tokyo. And uh, right now I'm working for myself, self-employed, and I do interpretation from English to Japanese and Japanese to uh, English, and a translation, and I teach uh, English to business people as well. <laughs> do you feel very busy? Well, not that busy, and it's just well balanced, and I like, I love my clients, and I love my students, and it's Oh, um, I'm enjoying this work right now. I've worked for many companies, but and uh, different things like uh, I did the film buyer, uh, broadcasting rights buyer, or I worked for some IT company. But uh, right now, I'm just enjoying these uh, three combination. Uh, and that's one thing I, I really like wanted to talk with you about in this interview. I find you mm. to be this very interesting person because mm-hmm. you've definitely found a way to get out of the normal. <laughs> role as an office worker, let's say, in Tokyo, which, Uh as we both know, can be very, very time-consuming and really a stressful life. Right. Originally, uh, uh, my major was English, but it, it was more like uh, um, literature. And the reason I majored that was that uh, I wanted to become like uh, my grandfather. Uh, he was a kind of entrepreneur. He uh, had his own company. And the funny thing is, he established his first company in the Philippines. So I think uh, I've been influenced by his life or history. And also my father worked for uh, his company, the grandfather's company. And he, they were both uh, involved in the trading, trading business. So naturally, I was attracted to that kind of something international. That's something I want to do in the future. I had uh, decided uh, when I was very small, and although I couldn't speak English, so uh, it was more like after the graduation of the college, I started uh, more seriously uh, the English, mm-hmm. and then uh, now I do use English almost daily basis. So yeah, and uh, I enjoyed all the different industries like a trading company and um, computer company, uh, airlines. As an interpreter, I worked for some. U.S. company and uh, cable company, 
and an IT company. I enjoyed all this, but you know, as you can imagine, that each company was just a few years, so that my experience and expertise is very shallow. And although I felt I recognized myself as a, such a challenger, but then I also felt like、mm, my expertise is very shallow. But now, doing the interpretation translation for all the different sectors and the different clients in different industries, I now feel like all this my shallow maybe experience, but in the different industries, you know, across the sections, is maybe helping my clients. So now I finally feel a bit confident about my own experience, and、uh, I'm really glad that. Works for all the Japanese. Yeah, so it sounds like all these different experiences has really just made you, as you said, more confident. But、mm. you know, going and maybe、um, you worked with people from many different countries. Right, right, right. And,、yeah. uh, and you said your grandfather was、mm-hmm. really a role model、mm-hmm. for you.、Mm-hmm. Although I don't want to, you know, that、uh, i- i- imitate his personality. <laughs> It's really stubborn because of, from a very older generation. But I, I think he was a really strong person. Yeah, he didn't talk much, but very, very strong. Would you say you were very close to your grandfather? Not much because he wasn't that kind and、uh, very distant. But we lived in the same house for two years or so、uh, when my grandmother passed away. Several different people tried to take care of him, but、uh, finally my father's turn came, and then、um, but it didn't last very long. <laughs> so,、uh-huh. but, but the stories of that he you heard about him and his business、right. in the Philippines from other people like his business associates、uh, much later.、Mm-hmm. So now I feel like as an、uh, you know self-employed person that oh if you are here. I wish I could talk with him and ask about、uh, his business experiences and how he felt about it. Right. Yeah. So sometimes、uh, talking to him in my mind. Oh, okay. Yeah, you can still, you know, maybe get some inspiration and probably、oh, still now hear stories、oh, about right. him. Yeah. I think、um, one of the reasons I decided to、uh, become an independent worker is that. Probably yeah, as you mentioned, I got tired about、uh, being a company employee,、mm-hmm. and these commutes, you know, tough commutes in in Tokyo.、Um, but I also felt like I've challenged everything now. Maybe it's about time to challenge something totally new, which is you know self-employing or、uh, or founding or establishing my own company. Right, really、mm-hmm. taking charge of your own life. Right, completely. So, would you say that your grandfather is the first person that inspired you in terms of travel? Didn't until now you said that I didn't think about it, but probably yeah. And he is a person. Then the second person is probably my father because、uh, my father and mother. Although I feel I wasn't very close to them, but、uh, they I now feel grateful. To for to them、uh, for giving me an opportunity to travel abroad for the first time,、oh. when I was in college. How did they give you that opportunity? <laughs> Kicked me out of their house. No, that, that's exaggeration. They said, "Oh, you should probably experience international travel, because I'd never done it before." Oh, but that's also my generation, or did you know the back then? That not so common. 
I'm not that old, but compared to those teenagers nowadays, uh, I'm a little older, so it wasn't easy uh, to travel abroad. Well, we'll buy you this travel, including uh, air tickets, and uh, you can stay at my business associate's home in Philippines, my father said. Okay, one week in Philippines. Not bad. I will take that chance. So that was very my very first uh, international trip. So one week mm. traveling alone mm. to your business, your father's business associates. Mm. Right. And was that in Manila? Manila. Manila. Yeah, residential area. Okay. Mm. And you just stayed in with the family the whole week. Right. And did they take you around? Yeah. Mm-hmm. See some things. Mm-hmm. They they took care of me wholly and uh, really appreciated. But uh, I wasn't adventurous enough back then, mm-hmm. so I, I didn't know how to enjoy the trip. So they kept asking me, where do you want to go? Uh, we'll take you there, or what would you like to do? I had no idea. I mean, mm-hmm. I read guidebook, but it didn't come to me, you know, like, hmm, what should I do? I was really, how can I say, mm, my eyes were still closed for the trip. I mean, Manila had to be so different from Tokyo. What did you think? This family, my father's business associate, was uh, really, I think, uh, probably not rich, not really millionaire, but rich enough or well off. So they lived in like a Beaver Hills in Manila. So they had uh, three Mercedes. They showed me around, but uh, well, so I couldn't see the real difference. But if you stop in a car, it's traffic signal and uh, these kids come up to you oh wipe we'll the win- window and clean it clean it and then rah, 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 rah. so obviously well clearly I could sense the difference you know that, that we don't see those kids in Tokyo mm-hmm. so okay there are rich people and poor people right I can see the very severe difference so that was a kind of learning experience yes were you, how did you feel about that when you realized this difference? Mm, hard to say. Well, these people are on the rich side and these kids are not. For still back then, my eyes were still closed or my mind was still baby. So I didn't feel uh, really something sharp yet. Mm. Then. Mm-hmm. So you, you went back home after a week. Mm. And then what was your next experience? Traveling. It was after maybe started working, maybe at uh, my first company, and then I traveled to Singapore, I think. That was my second trip, international trip, I guess. Yeah, mm-hmm. if my memory is correct, right. As a business trip? No, at the first company, I was a secretary or assistant to the senior, very senior executive, oh. the head of that department. Or division so actually although other people were traveling but I didn't have much chance to travel so after I decided to quit the company I traveled <laughs> and you chose Singapore yeah as this trip maybe not hadn't decided yet clearly but uh, yeah I really felt some urge to travel I had to go somewhere and somewhere close enough somewhere I can afford that was Singapore mm-hmm and I traveled alone. Oh, really? So that was only your second experience. But, but then okay. I was also spoiled or fortunate because my the subordinates of my boss were waiting there. 
kind of took care of me. I see. And you'd arrange that ahead of time, and you're like, uh, okay, someone will be there the first time I right, get there. Right. I'm alone, but I won't be once mm-hmm. I get there. Right. So, uh, yeah, maybe it's bored. <laughs> How long did you spend in Singapore? Just a few days, I think, three days or four, uh, I would say. I don't remember, but uh, we're not so long. Mm. Okay. Mm. And what did you think about Singapore? I know it's, again, a very different country compared to the Philippines. Very clean and uh, multicultural. Uh-huh. Yeah, Asian, yet very um, Western, westernized, of course, with British influence. Mm-hmm. But I enjoyed Malay culture also. I can smell it. I could smell it. And uh, yeah, just in you know, all this uh, mixture I enjoyed, including food. Yes, I, I, that did strike me when I first went to Singapore yeah. as well. Because in Japan, where I'd been also living several years, mm. it's a much more homogenous culture. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And so when you go to Singapore, it's like, wow, how did they all exist together? Right. And it seems in peace and harmony. Right. Um, wow. Okay, mm. so then I have to ask, that's you know, a short trip. Okay. Your friends were waiting. Yep. Have you ever traveled alone? Or did, when was the After that? After that. Oh, so many times. Oh, okay. And with, in a place where you didn't have friends waiting, it was just... Just I'm doing this. Yeah. Oh, what was your first solo trip? Do you remember? Uh, first one... You, you know, because I worked for this uh, U.S. Airlines uh, as an in-flight interpreter, I often traveled with crew members. But uh, after uh, arriving at the destination... Especially in the States, I was alone, unless there were friends or cousins, or I have some relatives in the States, but uh, so often I spent uh, time alone, and you know, just a layover is just one day or two, mm-hmm. so often I was alone, so that could be maybe called a solo trip, Yeah, but then... The longest one is probably the one that from France to Italy. I think I was in between jobs, mm-hmm. but I was really confused about my, my, about my next career. I wanted to take enough time to think and also to see the world. But I, I couldn't spend that much time or money, so I decided to work. I mean, somebody gave me that means uh, Ono, um, somebody gave me this uh, uh, chance to work in Cannes, France for a week or so for some conference, international music conference, as an interpreter. Then uh, I worked there, staying in the Cannes village, and then, then after the completion of that conference, I started traveling, taking this train from France going into Italy. So uh, I'd made a reservation for some places, but for some places I didn't. You just showed up and said, do you have any rooms? Yeah, yeah. So it was really adventurous. And did you feel comfortable when you were doing that? And Somehow I felt okay. That's, yeah, That's great. Probably one of the reasons was it was in winter. Oh, it was in winter. Europe winter, you know, usually empty. Summer, mm, I would be scared not to have any reservation, but uh, I had at least a key point reservation, and also that uh, it's winter, shouldn't be that crowded. That was my idea. That's, yeah, that's probably accurate, I would say. (laughs) How about about the food in France and Italy? 
Is oh, it no problem for you? No or? problem. I, no I can problem. eat anything. Basically, where I have nothing I can't eat. I eat anything. I enjoy almost anything. So I really loved French food, Italian food. Wow. And the difficult thing was in Italy, somehow no problem, especially in France uh, for dinner. Unless it's a really casual diner or something, it was difficult to sit in nice restaurants because you know people are watching me kind of are you alone and uh, to order something you know there is nobody to share with so sometimes I only ordered some one big soup mm. <laughs> slowly had it delicious but uh, mm, I can't spend too much you know uh, okay so today's dinner is only soup something like that that was a difficult part. But other than that, I was okay. Mm. Okay. Mm. Wow, that sounds so... I, I would love to take a trip like that. <laughs> sounds very... And both countries are so beautiful. Yes. Especially spent so much time. I, I, I think I stayed there like a week or ten days. I don't remember, but uh, it was beautiful. Well, I have to ask you a bit more about your your time with, you said United Airlines? U.S. Air. Was it U.S. Air? United. United, okay. Well, yeah, okay. okay, now I have to confess it was United Airlines, yes. And they used to have interpreters in Japan and some Asian cities. But the Japan or Tokyo or Narita was the biggest part. Okay, so you were an in-flight interpreter, interpreter you said. Yeah. That sounds really exciting. Yeah, it was. <laughs> because Do you want to share any stories with us? Oh, okay, yeah. yeah. Um, how can I explain that I didn't do food services? Mm-hmm. It depends on the airlines. I wonder about other airlines. Delta, I don't think they had. Now it's gone, but Northwest used to have an interpreter like United. But those interpreters did both, food service and language service, mm-hmm. I heard. But at United, it was a specifically language service only, mm-hmm. including marketing activities. So I offered interpreters offered mileage plus plus services, like uh, uh, if you join these are uh, you know that the, something that you can enjoy, and uh, talk to the, the as many passengers as I, I can, and uh, uh, sometimes or usually after each flight uh, write a flight report, in flight report, mm-hmm. things were like this. These things that's happened, and also that uh, oh, these services should be improved, blah blah blah, to the Chicago, the headquarters of the United Airlines. Okay, so th- these were flights coming from Japan to the U.S. and also some Asian cities. Yeah, nowadays uh, the flights out of Narita are changed because of the collaboration with uh, Or Nippon Airways. But uh, back then, yeah, um, we enjoyed those trips. It sounds amazing. Um, oh, nice cities, yes. Yes, yeah. And did you ever have, like, because my first thought when you said, when you talked about your job, I thought there was an emergency on the plane. Uh-huh. She had to jump in with her interpretation skills. Mm-hmm. Did you ever have something like that? Luckily, I never had that kind of journey. Sometimes, you know, uh, the flight, just a few times, the, the plane had to go back to the original airport oh. after, you know, that. Uh, 10 minutes or so, but uh, it happens, you know, once in a while, so not real emergency. I never experienced. Y- you're right, that is pretty lucky, actually. <laughs> but, uh, wow. 
So you had quite a few adventures, it sounds like, in in travel and in the air. Right, the, the working on the flight interpreter itself is, yeah, quite uh, adventurous and, and, yeah, challenging. I feel like if you're if you choose to become an interpreter, your life is going to be related to international relations right. in some way. Yeah. And, Probably you're going to end up getting on a plane and traveling somewhere. Probably, yes. So. Mm-hmm. Well, I ha- I'd have to ask, like, how do you think travel has changed you? Mm. What has it taught you? Like I said, uh, when I traveled to Philippines, my, my eyes were closed. I was still a travel baby. But after that experience, uh, gradually my eyes started opening. Now, that means probably not to the physical uh, countries or cities that I traveled or experienced too, but that also means cultures, people, mindsets, food, architectures, earth, or anything, you know, that uh, my eyes are now widely open and very curious person now. Probably I'm more proactive compared to those days. Oh, you know, everybody has both parts, both uh, extrovert and introvert parts. I was probably originally introvert person, but both speaking English and traveling gave me some extrovert parts or personalities. So now I'm mixed. Mm-hmm. I still enjoy reading book alone and quietly. And then after going to the party, I still need some kind of quiet um, quality time but uh, I'm more extrovert compared to those days so do you yeah. think that's a good thing yeah I think so that's definitely something required for business that's a good point yeah. and um, communication skill well I still feel I'm not good at communicating with people in some part mm, mm. but uh, I'm, I learned a lot from people and uh, sometimes like this uh, big trip in Italy, France Italy trip, I learned people are also the key to make your impression a memory. I always tell this story uh, to the students when I teach English, especially for beginner. Well, of course, if you can become a fluent English speaker, that would be great. But you don't have to. I mean, that even if you're not a fluent speaker, that shows if you try to help people. Uh, this one, Shane from Italy, where I, I was driving in Siena, and Florence to the county area, and to Siena, I was driving. After staying uh, several days in county, I went on to the Siena. And uh, you know, Siena is an old city, so when you drive into the old city area, the streets are quite narrow, and then you get stuck. And I couldn't find my hotel. And uh, uh, I was lost. Hmm. Mm, what should I do? Oh, there is a lady with a boy. I thought she should be safe enough. You know, you choose person to ask. Oh, okay. Let's ask her. And then, turned out she couldn't speak English. But I could tell with her, you know, this body language. She's trying to find somebody who speaks English. So just wait here, please. She said. I was so moved. And then after that, this uh, nice young Italian gentleman came up and helped me. But I don't remember this gentleman, but I still remember this lady. Because uh, she was trying to help me somehow, although she couldn't speak English. And then I, it, really, it really melted my heart. So sweet. 
So that makes a memory of Italy, and then after that, I fell in love with Italy. Oh, what? Yeah, what a story of connection. People, I think, are inherently good and want to help you. Right, and, and I think it's like one scene from a movie. Yeah, yeah. it still sticks with my heart. Oh. Thank you for sharing that. Mm. And I think there's so many times when we're scared to yeah. travel to certain places, right. especially by yourself. Mm-hmm. And I've always found that things do work out generally. Mm-hmm. Right. If you, like you said, choose the person. Right. It's a good way to start. Yeah. You know, that uh, you have this hunch and you use this hunch or that the kind of, you know, that gut feeling. Mm-hmm. Mm. Yeah, you, you can usually, well, you, you are such a traveler, so you probably study in advance and research, but then also you use your gut feeling, right? I would say I use my gut feeling more than I study it these days. <laughs> oh, okay. I start yeah. studying when I get there. It's ah. like a little more spontaneous, but sometimes it's helpful right. in advance. Right. <laughs> yeah, I, I do both, the combination, so. Well, would you say there's one place you've traveled to that was your favorite? Or that taught you the most, or oh, it's yeah. difficult. But uh, as of today, you know something. Okay, the, then to- something totally different. I'll give you, Hanoi. Hanoi. Mm. Wow, why Hanoi? Uh, I traveled to Vietnam with my friends. One was Japanese guy, and the other was American woman. Uh, my female friend and. Uh, I don't know how it came up. At some party, we were talking, and then somebody said, I'm going to travel to Vietnam. And that was probably my friend Susan or myself. I don't remember. Then this guy, Japanese guy friend, I said, I'm going to join you too. Oh, okay. And then three of us gathered in Ho Chi Minh, not in Tokyo. So everybody flew in uh, by different flight. <laughs> and my friend Susan was waiting for me at the airport. And so we went to the hotel, and the guy was staying at another hotel. But uh, we uh, gathered and had dinner together. And then uh, we traveled uh, from Ho Chi Minh to Nha Chang, and then uh, Hue and Da Nang. Mm-hmm. We hired a car, including the drivers, uh, from Nha Chang to Hue and Da Nang. But I think in Danan, uh, we said goodbye to each other because they had work to, uh, you know, go. We ha- they had to go back to Japan. Mm-hmm. I still had uh, several more days, so I stayed in Vietnam alone. Oh, wow. and I flew to Hanoi alone after saying goodbye to, to these two friends. And you'd never been to Hanoi, first time. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And so that's why I remember, or I, I decided to pick this up. But uh, yeah, that was a quite an experience. I think after long travel uh, in uh, Vietnam, I was really tired, and I wasn't in good condition. And uh, on the street, I remember, I threw up. You threw up <laughs> just all of a sudden. After oh. having dinner or something, mm-hmm. and these local people came up me and tried to help me very oh. nicely. Oh, where are you from? The, this sentence everybody can say. I'm from Japan. You know, after that, they can't continue in English, but I could sense that they are trying to help me. But then, you know, it was nothing serious. I think it's just fatigue. So I went back to the hotel, and then... Then did some activity, I don't remember. Probably I went to that the famous 
Water puppets or something. Oh, yes. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Water puppet theater. I've been to Hanoi. I went yeah. to Hanoi in 2016. Okay. Also by myself. Yeah? Yeah. Ah, okay. Yeah, that, that uh, you know, that the vomiting is uh, the one of the reasons I remember. But then also the city was so beautiful. It's a magical place. Right. Very different from Ho Chi Minh. Ho Chi Minh is, I would describe it like Osaka. Mm-hmm. Very commercial. Uh, it's also nice and a beautiful city, but uh, architecture-wise, I enjoyed Hanoi. Beautiful French-style architecture, and uh, I love that center, that that right. central quarter with all the different streets, right. with the different and also the beautiful lake and uh, sophisticated and uh, hmm. Do you see Ho Chi Minh? Did, did you visit Ho Chi Minh? Yeah, I started from Ho Chi Minh. Well, right. okay, actually, I'm sorry. That was a bad question. I should clarify this. Did you see Ho Chi Minh's body in oh. Hanoi? Oh, right. Did I? No, recall. <laughs> well, in Ho Chi Minh City, there were so many. They call him like uh, Uncle Ho Chi Minh, right? Yes, yes. Yeah, in Ho Chi Minh, pro- oh, in so Hanoi, probably not. He, well, his body is there, the mausoleum. Oh, right. I couldn't visit because that day it, the museum was closed or something. It's quite an experience. I, 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 would, I would recommend going back if, when really? you go back. Okay. Take some time. It's just, it's, it's one of these, you know, the communist leaders that they preserve and they're always getting, their bodies are getting refurbished, let's say. Ah. And, Okay, that's what you meant. Yeah, because there were so many statues, I remember. Mm-hmm. So the real physical body, you mean? I remember, yes. <laughs> I mean, it's popular to go and see him. But, right. Uh, yeah, I think that museum is closed or during my visits for maintenance or something. Or that uh, uh, regular holiday. So anyways, I couldn't get to see him. Mm-hmm. But uh, <laughs> yeah, I'm, yeah. Well, he's looking good. Looking good. <laughs> okay. They often send, like, often they'll shut these monuments down to refurbish the body. So you never know. You have to kind of check in advance. Okay. But same in, in Moscow if you go oh. see Lenin. Um, and I think also in China, um, you can see Mao Zedong. Mm. It's similar, mm. I believe. But yeah, wow. Okay. Hanoi, you're bringing up some good memories for me, too. Yeah. All right. Yeah. Yeah, there are many other cities I would like to visit and uh, I like to travel to. At the moment, I can't afford it, so I have to work more and uh, save more money. But uh, yeah, um, I love traveling. That brings me to another question. Where would you like to travel to next? Mm. Well, there are so many places I would like to visit uh, in my bucket list. I mean, I haven't written, but uh, in my imagination. Right now, as of today, I would say uh, Penang, oh. Malaysia. Mm-hmm. Mm, I've never been there either. Really. Um, a friend of mine is such a traveler, and uh, she travels all over. But, uh, her recent trip was Penang, I think. She uploaded some photos from there on the social media. And it looked so beautiful, colorful city. And she kept saying that these local people here love eating and they make a delicious foods. So, oh, okay, I have to go there. That is why I want to go. I've heard it is one of the best places in the world really? for good food, especially oh. street food. So, mm. 
I don't know. Maybe we should end up this meeting there at yeah. the same time. You never know. Maybe yeah, we should discuss. Yes. No? Maybe we can travel together. Yeah. Right. <laughs> yeah, good. Um, yeah. Well, okay. Speaking of like perhaps meeting you in another country. Yeah. When you travel mm-hmm. and you're packing, mm-hmm. do you have? I, I'm curious about three. I, I, I like to call them unique items mm-hmm. that you always feel are is important to pack. What three mm-hmm. items can you not leave home without? Not really. Um, as long as it's a city or the country that the people are living, mm-hmm. um, no, nothing special. But I would say deodorant. Oh, yes. as a woman. <laughs> well, it's interesting in Japan because here I can't buy antiperspirant deodorant. Mm, right. But I, and so I always have to make sure I have that before I come here. Funny thing is that uh, when I whenever I travel to the, the states like New York, Los Angeles, wherever San Francisco, I try to buy a bunch of them. The only thing is I still I mean I believe it's healthier <laughs> to not have it in the deodorant but because there's aluminum and things mm-hmm, like that mm-hmm. but so far it's the best still that right. I've found. So okay deodorant, yes, mm-hmm. you need that. And another thing is not for travel. Even here, it's for myself, but eyebrow liner. Because I don't have, I'm losing my eyebrow hair. So, so like, yeah, but anything like particularly for cosmetics, that can be really hard to find. Uh-huh. And you can't read the language on the, you know, like, uh-huh. is this even, what is this? Yeah, is it an eyeliner or eyebrow liner? Or is this just a pencil? <laughs> so, yeah, eyebrow liners, I would say. Mm-hmm. Do you have one more thing that you're like, man, I have to have that in my suitcase? This dictionary? Especially for um, major languages that uh, this as a travel conversation. So this is called X word data plus seven. Mm. I've started using Google Translate, the app, ah. as I go around, and I know they're always trying to improve it, but uh-huh. I mean, this seems like it, it probably has more thought out right. sentences for right. specific things. We'll put this this uh, model mm. on the website. I'd, I have a final question for you that oh. I really like our listeners. I always want to you know, if people are anxious about traveling mm. or they've not traveled very far, mm-hmm. like maybe you when you went to the Philippines, right. do you have any advice for people that are thinking of taking maybe their first international trip mm. or pushing their boundaries? Mm-hmm. Okay, the, the choose country that uh, which you really want to travel to, for example, um, Italy, especially Tuscany, was uh, in my mind for quite some time. That was like your dream? Yeah, because of the movie. Yeah. Um, um, There was a title, what what was the title? Stealing Beauty with uh, Liv Tyler. Uh, It was a beautiful scenery. So something like that. So if it's too far to try for the first time, Mm -hmm. and then choose something closer, or any reason is okay, but something that you were dreaming or you were curious about, and then uh, do research in advance and study it, if you can, because uh, one of the reasons that uh, you feel anxious about it is because you don't know, you're scared. So just check that, you know, well, this is a danger, dangerous part or risky area, and then study that, and then you feel much better about it, and ask around for information. And then be prepared, and then book, and then travel. <laughs> Enjoy. You make it sound very easy. Do you have any tips for like saving money to to do something like go from Japan to Italy or the mm. US to Italy? 
Because sometimes I think, wow, that would be very expensive. Okay, uh, I think it's still open. So it depends on the country, but uh, especially for those Catholic country. In Rome, I stayed at convent and uh, yeah, for women convent, okay. for men monastery. But uh, the convent I stayed at in Rome is right behind uh, uh, Nabona Plaza. Piazza. Mm. Mm-hmm. So it was convenient enough and it was very reasonable. I paid, I don't know, it was a long time ago, so paid like $30, 30 US dollars or something per night. Mm-hmm. And clean bed, it's not gorgeous at all because it's for Christian people to visit Vatican. But it was very clean and nice room and the bathroom was shared. But there was a bus stop. And uh, if it's empty, you can just go in and use it. And even families could stay, I think. And the nice thing about for traveling along, if you're a woman, is that there is a curfew. So at 11 p.m., they close the door. There is a nun or the, you know, that uh, woman working for that uh, convent watching that uh, entrance. So it feels quite safe. And you can make a reservation from your country. That is a great tip. I've never done it before. Mm-hmm. I'm going to look into it as well. And it sounds like there'd be a whole network around the world. Right, right. these places. And uh, yeah, probably in the season, I mean, that uh, you know, there should be the season that the people gather for those, especially for Rome and Vatican. But if you try to avoid it, probably it's okay or not crowded yeah. or nice and including breakfast. Like a just easy one, like a coffee and cheese or ham and the bread that's included. Mm. That sounds great. I wonder nowadays what the price is going to be. I know, but you can easily check it on uh, internet nowadays. They use internet, I'm sure. (laughs) Yeah, check it, please. And uh, people are, of course, nice because, you you know, they're welcoming everybody and uh, clean, safe. These are probably important, especially for women. All right. Well, thank you for that tip. Yes, you're welcome. And if we want to find you on the internet or find anything that you're doing right now, where can we find you? Hmm. Okay. I'm blogging about food on the blog uh, of a blogger and uh, called Always Eating. And I think my title, oh, I've been lazy, so I need to, I now feel I need to update. Always Eating, but the title is What I Eat in Japan Every Day. Okay. And uh, I'm using my real name, Yasuko Watanabe. Mm-hmm. So you can probably uh, find it. We'll put a link to it Thank as you. well. Mm-hmm. Thank you so much for joining us today. Thank you, I Vicky. I hearing your stories. <laughs> <laughs> so we have to travel to Penang. Yes. Yeah. Okay. Let's start planning now. Okay. Bye. Bye. I really hope that you enjoyed the interview this week with Yasko. In all the podcasts I've ever listened to, I can say that I have never heard a Japanese woman interviewed, and so I thought it would be really interesting to hear Yasko's perspective on travel. I just found it really interesting to hear how she put travel into her life and allowed it to teach her so many things. I want to leave you with a travel quote from one of my favorite authors. You may have heard this quote before, but it just inspires me every time I hear it, and so I wanted to share it with you today. This is by Mark Twain, who says, 20 years from now, you will be more disappointed by the things you didn't do than by the ones you did do. So throw off the bowlines, sail away from the safe harbor, catch the trade winds in your sails. Explore, dream, discover. Have a great week, listeners.
Thanks for listening to the School of Travels podcast. If you enjoyed this episode, we'd love for you to subscribe and leave us a rating wherever you get your podcasts. Special thanks to The Sam Chase for allowing us to use their song, In a Perfect World. Don't forget to join us next week for another episode, and remember to always let travel be your teacher. If you keep your options open, there are places you will go. They will treat you like the kings and queens your parents thought you'd be when you were born. You'd see it all with your head up standing tall, and you'd look back and think it's funny how you spent your time and money in this world. Living in the